From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello and welcome to episode 200 of the Anxiety Project podcast. I am Brad Robinson. Yeah, it's 200. I personally can't believe it. I remember sitting in the coffee shop years ago thinking, hey, I should probably do a podcast. I know people will find this information, these tools, these strategies to be enlightening, useful, life-changing. Because not only did they help me out of the anxiety disorder I was suffering, but we're not taught these in school. So I imagined in my mind's eye, okay, what if someone who was desperate to solve their problems stumbled across my podcast, discovered these strategies and tools related to my story, and then changed their life? And I was like, yeah, I got to start a podcast. That is what needs to happen. And so I did it. There was little fear about, well, is anyone really going to listen to it? I knew this would resonate with at least one person out there who was struggling. And I just wanted to change that one person's life. Now, you guys over the years have left me so many great comments And I've gone over a lot of them on this episode, but I want to go over some today because it's 200 and I just want to see what you guys have to say, what you guys think of the show. I want to start with Joy Atwood. Great video, Brad. I wait for your videos every week. You are genuine. Thank you, Joy. I really appreciate it. M. Manish says, Every time you help me, Brad, that's awesome. I am so grateful. Daniel Hewson says, your videos are fantastic, man. I am slowly making progress on ending this brutal reign that health anxiety and cardiophobia have on me. Cheers. Daniel, awesome. Keep working at it, man. And keep listening. Keep growing. D says, So glad YouTube recommended your channel. Thank you. Thank you, D. Man, you guys are awesome. Joe commented, Joe says, thank you so much. I don't know if it's the fact that I'm coming down from an anxiety attack, but this is the only video that's helped me with this attack. Man, I mean, if you find this podcast to be enlightening and useful and and if it has changed you in some way please share this with somebody else because you might just change their life by doing that thank you everybody for being here for 200 episodes there's no plan i'm just going to keep on going and let's keep going today i'm talking about finding meaning because i used to be aimless in my life. I was driving around town aimlessly in my car. That's what I was doing for a long time. I was bored. I got in my car, drove around, got a coffee, blasted Nirvana. 
I was living an aimless life. And during that time, there was no meaning in my life. So in this episode, I want to tackle that question. How does meaning come about in one's life? And then I'm going to read you a passage from one of my favorite books of all time, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Unbelievable book. So many of us, when we are backed into a corner with no signs of escape, we give in to external help. So many people settle in to the corner. They settle in that pain and suffering. The pain becomes tolerable. The pain even gives the person some sort of identity because the victim, well, gets the attention. It's actually very easy to settle into that pain and suffering because, you know, just to cope, well, that's the easy route. That's the easy route. You can just sit back on the couch, order Chinese food, smoke weed, have a couple glasses of wine, uh, talk about how bad your day was, and not exercise. Just sit there and have coffee, have sweets. That's easy. And no wonder people settle in that lane. Well, of course I did. I know why I settled there. I love to smoke weed. I loved to I loved to talk a lot of crap about other people. I loved to judge other people. I loved to complain about how crappy life was because I fit in with those other people who do the same thing, who have a similar mindset. And so I was obtaining comfort from external sources for a long time in my life. And I had a lot of internal baggage. The baggage is heavy. And these external crutches is an unconscious way of saying, I'm using these to solve my problem of extreme emotional distress. I'm using these crutches to numb the baggage. But the root cause does not get addressed. And so these crutches continue and you remain in the corner. You just pull out a sleeping bag, you pull out your Twix candy bars, And you pull out your bong and you just settle into the corner. And that's what I did for a long time. But here's the thing. I grew in bitterness because the external crutches do not help in the long run. And hope diminishes because they do not help in the long run. Things get worse when you rely on these external crutches. When you rely on these super stimuli like weed or porn or toxic relationships, sex or or Cheetos. 
certain foods, right? Netflix, exciting shows on TV. And I'll tell you why, because your tolerance level increases the more you subject yourself to this extreme stimuli. And because it's increasing, that means you have to increase the amount you absorb. So you might have to smoke more weed to get to the state you used to get to. You might have to indulge in more porn or more exciting porn, or you might have to indulge in more junk food. Well, you get the idea because you're just conditioning yourself to this extreme stimuli. And so then that means you're spending more money. You're spending more time in those situations, in that consume, you're spending more time consuming these things now and feeling less and less in control over time because you're trying to keep up. You're trying to get back to a state that you felt good in. So you watch that porn video that was so stimulating and gratifying, you want to get back to that same state next time. I remember when I used to smoke weed and I would have one really great experience where I would become relaxed and sucked into a movie for getting all my anxieties. I wanted to get back to that same state the following night because of the positive feedback these behaviors would supply. But when I would smoke again, I noticed that I couldn't get back to that same state or I would have to smoke more than usual to get back to that state. And sometimes, yes, I would have a pleasant time. I would get back there again. But more often, the weed would enhance my conscious awareness, and I would focus on internal insecurities, which then propelled me into other distractions. And so distractions led into other distractions because I was increasing my tolerance. I was increasing my tolerance. One pleasurable act was good, but then eventually I would seek out a more pleasurable act and then that wouldn't fulfill me enough and so I would seek out the next one and I felt I was always on the search for external stimuli I would hold on to toxic relationships for that attention I would call on friends to go out to the bar eat junk food watch tv buy coats and jackets and uh, pants and boots that would that I would think would make me feel fulfilled and create an identity that I would feel proud in, but that never went anywhere. That didn't go any. That didn't go far. I would become bored of the boots the next day or the week after, and then find something else that would complete that hole. And then I would go out and buy that, and then that wouldn't fulfill that hole. And then there would be porn, there would 
be loud music like Nirvana to all soothe and distract, but ended up to be hollow pursuits. And so, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I was driving around aimlessly in life. Literally, I would take my car out late at night and drive around town cranking music. The more I was aimless, the less meaning there was in my life. I was the most lost at this time in my life. It's fascinating that meaning arose when I decided to take on the responsibility over my anxiety disorder. Things got so bad that I had no choice but to turn around to the wall I was cornered against and ask really hard questions. I need help to break free. This is not okay that I am here. Is there any answers to why I am suffering so deeply? Is there a way out of this corner, for God's sakes? So instead of blindly ignoring the wall I was cornered against, I started to examine the damn wall. Instead of turning to family for reassurance, I turned to Google and I searched my behaviors and my symptoms of my day-to-day. And then I found somebody who talked about this thing called anxiety. They weren't complaining about anxiety because you can find a lot of that online. People, communities who complain about their symptoms and that builds upon their victim identity, their set mindset. But this person that I came across, they talked about how hard it was to suffer from anxiety but how they overcame the suffering. And you want someone who has a developing mindset to guide you out of your set mindset. Because that's why you turned around to look at the wall, right? Because you were tired of settling. You were tired of settling. You wanted to Look outside of what's familiar to you because really that's where the answers are going to come from, outside of your comfort zone. You see in the movie, The Lion King, Simba reaches a wall in his life and then he turns his head upwards to the stars and he asks for guidance. And then the shaman presents himself. You look hard enough, answers will come. Answers will come. And what this scene represents is a perspective shift. Asking difficult questions means your attention is outside of your usual comfort zone. There has to be more than this. There has to be more to life than this. I'm not looking 
in the right place. It's an admittance to that. I'm not looking in the proper place. In the 12 Steps program to overcome an addiction, the first step is honesty. Admitting to yourself that things need to change. Admitting we are powerless over our addiction. The second step is admitting that you need a power greater than yourself to restore you to sanity. And really, I didn't know I was following this 12 step at the time, but I remember when I found that mentor, I knew that I couldn't rely on my parents for help. I couldn't rely on my relationships for help. I couldn't rely on Dr. Google for help or or my actual doctor. I had to look elsewhere and take on this responsibility for myself to find these answers, to bear this cross. Now, I want to read you a passage from Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning. I think this is truly inspirational and life-changing. He says, We must never forget that we may also find meaning in life, even when confronted with a hopeless situation, when facing a fate that cannot be changed. For what then matters is to bear witness to the uniquely human potential at its best, which is to transform a personal tragedy into a triumph, to turn one's predicament into a human achievement. When we are no longer able to change a situation, just think of an incurable disease such as inoperable cancer. We are challenged to change ourselves. Let me cite a clear-cut example. Once, an elderly general practitioner consulted me because of his severe depression. He could not overcome the loss of his wife, who had died two years before and whom he had loved above all else. Now, how could I help him? What should I tell him? Well, I refrained from telling him anything, but instead confronted him with the question, What would have happened, doctor, if you had died first and your wife would have had to survive you? Oh, he said, for her this would have been terrible, how she would have suffered. Whereupon I replied, You see, doctor, such a suffering has been spared her, and it was you who have spared her this suffering, to be sure at the price that now you have to survive and mourn her. He said no word, but shook my hand and calmly left my office. In some way, suffering ceases to be suffering at the moment it finds a meaning, such as the meaning of a sacrifice. Of course, this was no therapy in the proper sense, since first, his despair was no disease, and second, I could not change his fate. I could not revive his wife, but in that moment I did succeed in changing his attitude towards his unalterable fate, inasmuch as from that time on he could at least see a meaning in his suffering. It is one of the basic tenets of logotherapy 
that man's main concern is not to gain pleasure or to avoid pain, but rather to see a meaning in his life. That is why man is even ready to suffer on the condition to be sure that his suffering has a meaning. Viktor Frankl noticed in the concentration camp that when people, the prisoners, when they lost hope, they died. They had no reason to live. There was one instance, I think it was Christmas Day, the prisoners thought, hey, if I can hold on to this suffering until Christmas, then I will be set free. But when Christmas came and they realized we're not being set free, they died because they lost hope. Their expectations were not met. And that's fascinating because in their mind, they were expecting a certain outcome to relieve them of this pain and suffering. And I viewed my recovery, the beginning parts of my recovery, in that sort of way where if I didn't feel good tomorrow, then there was no hope of me ever feeling good. But that's not the proper mindset. The meaning came for me when I shifted my perspective over each day being an opportunity to prove my older self wrong. The reason why some people were able to survive is because of their mindset, how they perceived the situation. This is an opportunity from God for me to change to grow, and we have to ask the question, why people nowadays put themselves in situations where they suffer, they go for long runs, they do extreme exercises, they take cold plunges, they do ayahuasca experiences. These are not easy experiences, situations. Why do people do this because on the other side of pain there's peace like david goggins says you can't jump to peace without going to war the pressure of wanting to feel better now that only increased my anxiety the meaning of my suffering was a sign from god that things needed to change in order for me to reach my higher potential. That's the only way I was going to get there, is to change the meaning, change the mindset. This suffering does not have to be my life, but it was necessary for me to go through this so I could make a change. And I will be forever grateful for the suffering I went through because the quality of my life now is not even in comparison to the quality of my life five years ago. There's no comparison. 
Each day for me became an opportunity to prove my older self wrong, to gain those 1% changes. I separated myself into what was and what could be. No longer was I on Instagram wishing I was somebody else, but I was battling my past self to see who I could become tomorrow. Continue to challenge yourself because this is the battle between you and yourself. Ask yourself those difficult questions. Look toward the wall and start to chip away at it. Start to acknowledge that there is a wall there and devise a strategy on how you're going to break through. If you're honest with yourself about your emotions, then perhaps you can move forward rather than remain in the corner. The fight is not won when you're sitting down in the boxing ring corner with your towel, with your cold water, with your coach. That's comfort. It's won when you take the advice of your coach and you move out of the safe zone into the unknown, into the ring. You stand up with your gloves on and you fight. That's where change occurs. It's when you're voluntarily confronting the things you do not want to confront. And that's where I'm going to leave you on today's podcast episode. I am so grateful you're here today. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. Please share this with somebody you know who is suffering from anxiety or if you just want to change their life. I am, I can't express to you how much it means to me that you're here and we're growing together. You're part of a growing community. We're here to grow, not remain stagnant, not to remain in the corner. We want to better ourselves because I am a testament to that. My quality of life has greatly improved because of those 1% changes every day. And my channel, my podcast is about those 1% changes. If you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel yet, please go over to YouTube. I post a lot of stuff there, a lot of powerful videos there. Please check that out. Please join that community. And remember, rise above anxiety. I will see you on the next podcast episode. Bye for now. Brad's Powerful Anxiety Recovery Program is now available at unpluganxiety.com. The Anxiety Project Program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. Visit unpluganxiety.com for more details. Recovery starts now.